Welcome to FASD Hope, a podcast about fetal alcohol spectrum disorder through the lens of parent advocates with over 18 years of lived experience. FASD Hope provides awareness, information, and inspiration to those people whose lives have been touched by FASD. And I'm the host of FASD Hope, Natalie Vecchione. Welcome to today's episode. I'll be speaking with Robbie Seal. Robbie Seal is the host of FASD Family Life, a new podcast for families by families raising children and youth with fetal alcohol spectrum disorder. Robbie is also an FASD educator and an advocate. Robbie is passionate about helping families thrive. She is married to Rob and is the mom of five, four of whom are adopted and have an FASD. So Robbie knows the struggle is real, but so is success. Synergizing her 20 years experience in the best FASD research, Robbie delivers dynamic FASD training to parents, caregivers, and frontline staff. Robbie has presented at the 2017 Canadian National FASD Conference. She has been invited to participate in numerous panels, including the 2019 Inclusion Alberta Conference. Robbie has designed and delivered training for Sunday school teachers to equip them to meet the neurodiverse needs in their classrooms. She has also initiated peer support groups for parents raising children with diverse neurodevelopmental challenges in schools and churches in Canada. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort which we ourselves are comforted by God. 2 Corinthians 1, verses 3 and 4. I am so excited for today's guest and for today's podcast episode. It is not every day I get to say this. In fact, I don't think I've said this since last year. We have a new FASD podcast in the world. Woohoo! So if you could see me now, I'm so thankful this is an audio podcast because I'm just like shaking and, and celebrating. I have my new friend and fellow podcaster, Robbie Seal, who is also this amazing FASD mom, mom of five, four of whom have an FASD. She is this phenomenal FASD educator and trainer. Um, she is based out of Canada, has, has spoken at so many conferences and presented, um, and she is that gem of lived experience, professional experience, and now podcasting experience. So Robbie Seal, welcome to FASD Hope. Thanks, Natalie. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm so excited and I'm just a baby podcaster. So thanks for having me on your show. It is my pleasure to have you. Thank you so much. And we are going to have fun talking today because not only about your history and your journey and why you and I both know that sharing our journeys is so important, but also about this new venture that you're doing because you and I both know that podcasts are like trending and podcasts are just going through the roof. So um, this is just awesome. 
So Robbie, I am so interested to hear about your journey and your family's journey and what led you to become this amazing FAST parent advocate and educator. Well, I like, I don't even know where to begin really, but if I go way, way, way back, I was about 19 years old when I saw young children um, on the streets prostituting and growing up in a Christian family, I had never, I didn't know that kind of thing existed. And I was downtown for an event and I saw nine, nine, 10 year olds on the streets prostituting and something shifted in my life that day. And was, I think it was the Lord's calling on my life that day to say, you've got to, you got to shift directions. And, and at that time I was in college and I was, you know, doing a different plan and I moved over and I, um, be, studied child and youth care. And so I graduated as a child youth care worker. I worked with children in care in group homes and, and treatment centers. And then as I got married, I knew that I wanted to build my family through foster care or adoption. And that was my life's work. And, uh, but I was young and stupid. So I did not know, <laughs> I did not know what, what, you know, what the Lord had in store for me, but I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful. And, um, you know, I have one daughter, a biological daughter who is now 29 years old. Um, and I have four adopted children and that's a whole, whole journey in and of itself. But, um, that's what led me, you know, that's what led me was that passion for seeing those broken children and what in the world was happening in their lives that they were there. And then the a passion in me just to say, you know what, I could be a mom to a child who could, who doesn't have a mom. And that was it. It wasn't, I wasn't going to change the world, um, but I could be a mom to a child who doesn't have a mom. And that was my passion. And that's where it all began. So we adopted children through, you know, welfare system, basically, I guess. And our first daughter was already over three years old when she came to be with us. So she had been in and out of care since she was just weeks old. So she came with certainly a history and prenatally alcohol, uh, exposed to alcohol. But we didn't know that there was an FASD there yet. And you have to remember, too, this was back in 1999. So there wasn't a lot known about FASD just yet. And even in my studies of, as a child youth care worker, working with children from hard places, um, we, we talked about FASD for maybe an afternoon. That was all. And the, the understanding was very limited. So even when we were raising our first daughter, our adopted daughter, I was looking, you know, are there clues of FASD? But I just didn't know. And then a number of years later, well, let's see, about six years later, we adopted, we adopted infant twins. They were five months old. And again, through child welfare system, and they were with their grandmother, and she was already raising a grandchild, couldn't raise more grandchildren, but wanted to be grandma. And so we entered into an open adoption with her and, and took on her beautiful twin uh, girls at five months old, and built a wonderful relationship with grandma and the extended family. And, and, and you know, and when I thought I'm going to be a mom to a kid who doesn't have a mom, I, you know, you don't know that what this is going to mean, that it's going to mean, you know, at this point, four beautiful girls, and there's going to be this grandma now who's in your life, and there's going to be aunties, and it was beautiful, and, and the respect and the love that goes back and forth, and then three years later, birth mom of the twins had another baby, and she was really bad in her addiction at that time, and I asked grandma, what's the plan, and um, she's like, I, I, don't, I don't have a plan, and um, I didn't have a plan yet either. But that night, the Lord made it clear to me that I was to adopt him too. The religion that honors the Lord is to take care of widows and orphans in their distress. And so that was my heart. I was going to help this widow, this grandma, and I was going to help this baby. And um, my God, what a story. 
what a journey we've been on since that little rascal came along. So he has, he's been full on right from the beginning with being medically fragile. Uh, he was diagnosed ADHD at three years old. Like he was something else. And at, I think seven diagnosed with FASD and Tourette's and ADHD and the list goes on. So it's been a journey. And I, when I really started to understand FASD or really to do the deep dive into FASD was after all of this. I mean, that was already full on married, five children, husband's working shift work. Like it's just, it's medically fragile kid. Did some homeschooling in there too, Natalie. I should throw that in there too. Had to do some homeschooling in the Yay! middle of it all. <laughs> another, another reason that I'm going to keep this friendship going because, oh my goodness, I'm like, bing, 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 bing. You know, flags yeah. are going off like, ooh. We were meant to be. We were meant to be. And I, I mean, I was scared to death to homeschool. I didn't want to let my kid down, but I had a couple of friends around, asked a lot of questions. I stuck with the Alberta edu education curriculum because I thought if and when she needs to or wants to go back, she can pop right back in. Again, that's a Lord leading, right? Like, you know, another scripture, Natalie, that I often refer to is if any of you need wisdom, ask and you shall receive. And the Lord's been so good to me. I've come with these gems and I'm like, that has to be from God. So that's been, that's been amazing, but it was when my first adopted child, remember she came at three when she was 13, she started to drink sneaking, you know, sneaking around. And we didn't have any alcohol in our house. We were completely abstinent, but she started to drink with friends and she started a drug started in there somewhere too. And it was just a matter of, it was just a matter of weeks till she was addicted. Maybe she was even addicted immediately. And so here she was 13, 14 years old, 14 years old, and she was using drugs and alcohol. And she went, and she's my easy kid, Natalie, from all five, she's my easy one. Um, but it went from easy to the wheels fell off within weeks. And then I turned to social services to say, like, I have a social worker who supports our adoption and, you know, I need help. I'm desperate. And the response I got was, I'm sorry, Robbie, I got nothing for you. And my gosh, suddenly I'm, I'm running to the courts. Well, first of all, I'm running, we were living in a little satellite town outside of our city. And I went to the RCMP and can you help me find my daughter? Cause not only was she drinking, she instantly was running away from home and, and hopping fences and was, she was gone. And I was like, okay, um, you just trying, you can see the train coming down the track and you want to do everything you possibly can to stop it. I went to the RCMP. There's nothing that they can do. So I, I started looking around the town for her. I started like going up to houses. I even went into houses. There's nobody home. I opened the door. Hello, hello, nobody there. And I went in and like looking for her and calling her name. Couldn't find her anywhere. I took her picture and I went around to the little businesses in town and said, this is my daughter. She's missing. Can you help me? And all the way around the town. Um, some people said, yeah, she was here at this business. Uh, then I went to the high school and said, and I just, I asked at the office and they, they confidentiality, whatever their reasons were, they couldn't help me. So I went and sat in the cafeteria of the high school and just listened up to the kids. And, you know, there was that group of kids, the problem kids that were kind of hanging around. And so I just sat there and listened to them. And when I caught one of their names, I called him over, Hey, Cody, can you come here for a sec? And he's like, who, who are you? And I showed him Danielle's picture. And I said, Hey, this is my daughter. She's missing. How can you help me? And she's like, oh, I know her. And he, she hangs out with this guy and he's a really bad dude. And here's some numbers to some people that know. So Cody gave me the number of a couple of drug dealers in town. Cause you know, a good Christian mom needs those phone numbers in her phone book. So I got a hold of them, the drug dealers in town. And I explained the situation. And this, my daughter's only 14 years old. Mind you, these drug dealers are only 15, 16 years old. 
And I said, hey, this is the situation and she's missing and I'm really concerned. Can you help me? And they did. They knew where she was and they kept an eye out for her. And I said, the police are also around looking at this point. I got the police looking they're looking for her. So when they when the the teenagers that were drug dealers saw the police coming down the road, they gently guided my daughter up the road so there could be this uh, meeting. And the police were able to apprehend my daughter. And I was able to then, with a court order, get her into treatment, detox and treatment. And that was the beginning of my baptism by fire into fetal alcohol spectrum disorder. Wow. My daughter, yeah, it's a story. Hey, my daughter was 14. Uh, My twins were five. And my son was three all at this time. And my oldest was 18 and on her way up to a YWAM. So she was about, she was overseas. I was newly divorced and all this is going on at the same time. And so this was my baptism by fire into the world of FASD. And it was with that trying to do everything I possibly could to intervene in my daughter's life that I was, God put people in my path and I was able to learn all about FASD and get involved in a support group and get training, 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 and then find resources for my little ones. And here we are. That daughter who was 14 and in trouble is now 25. And she has had seven years on, on the streets, seven years of addiction or more, seven years on the streets. She's been in jail. She's been in treatment. She's been out of treatment and then relapsed. So it's been a journey. Now she's pregnant, expecting her first child. And she's completely clean and sober. So we are living a success story right now. And she is just all about that baby and herself and being healthy. And I didn't have much contact with her on the streets. That just um, didn't happen. But when she was in rehab, she uh, reached out to me and I reached out to her and we started rebuilding our relationship. It's been beautiful. And so now I advocate for her and I partner with her and I try to support her where the gaps are. First of all, Thank you for sharing your story, because I know whoever is hearing this, I know there are a number of people that can relate, either are going through, have gone through what you're going through, or concerned that they're starting to go down that path. So your story is a page in somebody else's survival guide. You know? And that's why I share it. It's, you know, I didn't have that friend to hold my hand. I had, I had a friend or two to hold my hand, but they didn't know this road. You are the friend I needed five years ago. <laughs> I'm the friend you needed five years ago. Yeah, yeah. Even 10, 15 years ago. Oh my goodness. Long before then. Oh my and That's goodness. exactly my passion though, yes. Natalie. That's why I start up peer support groups, or that's why yes. I push my way into church and go, Hey, I need to teach you this. Yeah. Or this is why I started podcasting is yeah. because I needed that friend 10 years ago. Yeah. And I didn't have her. I needed a mentor 10 years ago and I didn't have her. And so that's my heart. And that's why I podcast. And that's why I did such an informational kind of a way is because I'm just meeting that need that I needed. And I know there's millions of women, millions of families that just need that friend. And I love your podcast because it's, it's just perfect, digestible information of FASD. Like the one I, I just listened to, you talked about the, the gap between chronological age and developmental age. And, and I wish I had known that five, 10 years ago, you know, because it would have changed my, my parenting trajectory. However, and, and you and I both know God's orchestration, you know, it's in his timing. I know that what you're saying, what you're, you know, that podcast 
will help so many other people right now. And you're now in the position to serve through what you've been through, just like my husband and I feel blessed that we're able to do that too. So I have to tell you, first of all, your story, just so many points I, I can relate to, you know, our kids, and I don't know if you feel like this, you know, you have way more FASD learning experience than I do. I'm still very new on the, on this journey, but I feel like when I describe why our kids, and I say our kids affectionately, our kids, our teens, our young adults yeah. are so susceptible to being addicted is because they were born addicted. When you tell that to someone, you know, I had another guest on a while back and she was sharing about her experience with her child and we made that connection and, you know, and I said, our kids are born addicted to something. So it's not like, because I used to work, I used to, when I was a music therapist and rec therapist, I used to work in substance abuse and worked with vets. And a lot of them have a familial history. So, you know, either their parents or anything. So we know there's a genetic component in addiction. However, with FASD and polysubstance abuse, but particularly FASD, there becomes a brain component. From what I've read and what I've learned, your brain is born addicted. You're, there's a lack of dopamine. So you're just looking for that dopamine wherever you can. It's not a genetic thing. It's it's an addiction thing. It's so, an addiction thing. And when she started yeah. drinking, she started drinking heavy and hard. Wow. And like she drank, she told me she was 14 years old and she came home intoxicated and, and she, you know, I'm trying to talk to her and she's sliding down the wall. And I was like, what, what's going on? Or what did you drink? And she drank a two, six. I still don't know what that means. I think that means it's like a really big bottle of hard liquor. And she just drank that like a like it's second nature. Yeah. And I, I wasn't ready yet to understand that it was second nature. And, and I was hoping desperately, I love my daughter with my whole life. And I was desperately hoping I could change this trajectory that she was on. But there wasn't a thing I can do. And I tried everything. But there wasn't a thing I could do except love her through it. Keep the door open with limits. Because I still have three young children at home. So yes. My heart was open. My door wasn't always Yeah, and hope that the streets wouldn't kill her. And someday we could come back and that's what's happened. And what we know too, in the U S I know 80% is the statistics of kids who are in foster care that have been prenatally exposed. What are the stats in Canada? They're the same. Yeah. They're the same 80% yeah. uh, of kids in care. Yeah. Absolutely. Or kids, even, even if you just say kids not living with their biological family, right. Right. Other Kinship, uh, you know, domestic adoption. Yeah. 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 With grandparents. Yes. And, and then, then there's the population we don't talk about is the kids who are still living with their biological parents. And, and perhaps, you know, mom drank before she knew she was pregnant or, yeah doctor said, Oh yeah, go ahead and have that glass of wine or something. Precisely. I've yeah. met wonderful families too, who have, you know, mom didn't know, mom didn't know she shouldn't, she, mom didn't know she was pregnant and she drank or she stopped it. And then she stopped as soon as she could. Yeah. Or doctor said, yeah, go ahead. You know, one or two drinks, you're going to be fine. And, and we know no safe amount of alcohol. Exactly. There's no safe amount of alcohol and there's no safe timing. Um, yeah. And yeah. And the prevalence rates are extremely high. Yeah. yeah. What for FASD in Canada, the, the stats are 4% of the population yeah. and then yet higher, of course, 
in kids in foster and, care yeah. or those that are incarcerated. Same for the states. It's five yeah. percent. Yep, states, yep. It's five percent. It's yep. So I was just looking at that. That's 17 million people yeah. in, in the States and nobody's talking about it. Exactly. And what about the exponential number of people who've been impacted by prenatal alcohol exposure, have brain and body differences, challenges, yeah. but don't meet a diagnostic criteria. So we've yeah. got millions and millions and millions of people and families impacted. Exactly. This podcast episode was fast tracked because this <laughs> needs to get out there. People need to listen to what you have to say, Robbie, because we need more educators. We need more people out there talking. We need more conversations about FASD. And we need to break down the stigma and just throw it out. You know, I've got no hard feelings against my, my children, their birth mothers. They didn't know any better and they struggle with addiction and and they are, they have troubled paths too. So we need to break down we need to throw out the stigma. We need to give love and compassion. There's lots of reasons why people might drink when they're pregnant. They don't know. They don't know that they're pregnant, pressured by a partner to drink, substance use challenges, mental health. Family thinks it's okay. Family thinks it's it's okay. okay. Yeah. 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 Like, yeah. Yeah. Family thinks it's okay. So there's no room for blame. There's only room for compassion and education. And I believe when we know better, we can do better. Yes. Absolutely. Was it your daughter's, was that turning point in your daughter's life? Was that what made you become fierce mama bear to, I want to be an advocate and teach people about this? What was that turning point for you? What made you go from mama bear advocate to, we need to educate so many people about this? I think it was that uh, it was when she, when her life started falling apart. And of course my life started falling apart And then I knew she was prenatally exposed to alcohol and I could see that that part of the story didn't matter to the people that were trying to serve her or serve me. So the addictions people didn't take that into account and there just weren't the services. And then when my younger children, um, okay, I have to say at the same time, because, you know, when it rains, it pours. So my lovely, my, my one is in addiction and, and running in the homelessness and we're trying to save her. And at the same time, I've moved communities to, to change her friend group and everything. And my twins who are now in grade one, so they're six years old. I get a conversation with the teacher in about November. It says, Robbie, they're failing school. They're failing grade one. And so all of a sudden I have a 14 year old who's in harm's way. I've got two sweet little six-year-olds that are failing grade one. And I have their little brother who was off the charts in terms of ADHD. Like his, his behaviors were in, were incredible. And that's when I realized FASD. And I started advocating at that moment for my daughters, my twins at school to say, we need to get a psychoeducational evaluation done of these little six-year-olds so that we can get them on the right path. And the school administration says, no, 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 we don't do that at this point. And uh, hell hath no fury like a woman scorned. And so I was like, particularly no, a mama. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. And I'm a fierce one. Yes. Um, and uh, I said, no, no, listen, they have been prenatally exposed to alcohol. Um, we need to get this done. And he agreed with me at that point when I said, like, I'm not just being an overprotective mother. There is a reason why we need to be looking at this and praise God. And he helped me and he, he got that going. And so we got the cycle that was in grade one, late grade one. I asked, it didn't happen till mid later grade two. And that was really hard because you want to run fast to get the services you need. But in the medical world, nothing runs fast. 
And so I had some parenting coaches at that time and I'm, I'm crying and they're like, it's okay. It's okay. I said, how can it be okay? We're going to waste another whole year. What do you mean? It's okay. Um, so at that moment, those were, and the, the knowledge of FASD was coming. I read Anne Strithgood's book. Um, at, well, Diane, Mal- Diane Malbin, of course. And uh, Diane Malbin's book. That book changed my life. Trying differently rather than yep. harder. Yep. It just, it lit my life on fire. Absolutely. I had to save my children and I had to, I had to school up. I'm all about being the best mom I possibly can be always have been. And now it was time to really school up and dig deep and scour the internet and thank God for Diane Melvin and Mm -hmm. Teresa Keller and no faz and can FASD. And I'm like all over the place. Yukon has great sites. Yukon FASI, I think it is. I don't know. They've got great resources. I've been all over the internet learning all about FASD. Yeah. And, um, oh, you know, it's crazy, but that's what turned me around is, you know, my daughter is in addiction and she's fallen by the wayside and I'm doing everything I can. My twins are failing. My, my little three-year-old is just a tornado and it's like, this has got to be, you know? And so I just started digging in about FASD and learning everything I could and haven't looked back. And I'm so, so thrilled that you're taking your advocacy of all these years of advocacy and now you're turning this wonderful podcast that you can teach others. You can help others. You can be that resource. Tell me about pre-COVID, what you did in training and how you became mama into this amazing training educator and advocate, because your history is very impressive with who you've presented for, who you've presented with and what you've done in the FASD community. Pushed myself in, Natalie. I wasn't invited. I pushed myself into training. Well, actually, what it was is, you know, when I was still participating in parent groups and, you know, my, and I was still receiving training, uh, one of the trainers there said to me, she, in front of the whole group, it was beautiful. And she just said to me, Robbie, you could be teaching this. And that was so affirming. And, and then I had that again, Robbie, you could be teaching this. And so I started teaching it. And what I started doing was, you know, of course, and reading the neurobehavioral model. Um, and just soaking that up, I just started implementing that in my life. And then I started seeing how that would apply in other people's lives. And so then I just, I, what I did was I, uh, the national FASD conference in the, the Canadian national FASD conference was coming up in 2017. And I, in a, in a spur of braveness, which, you know, I have a flash and then it, it Peter's right out, but I had this flash of braveness. And so I put in an abstract to present at the FASD conference and sure enough, I got it. And so then I really had to freak out. And then I, you know, wrote this um, presentation and did all the slides up and had to have my kid who's university come over and go teach mom how to do slides. And we just did it. And uh, I had, you know, I had 30 people in the room and it was amazing. And I was loving it. And uh, I was in my lane. Like that was the right place for me to be. And I had so many positive affirmations from the people that were there. Most of them were caregivers. Most of them were parents. And it just resonated with them. And I talked about, you know, what is FASD? But then what does that mean? These behaviors that we are seeing are as a result of the brain. So these are symptoms of the brain injury. And then these are the accommodations, you know? So I broke it down. It was like a whirlwind, but I broke it down. And there was things they could take away that day that they could make changes in their family life. And, and it's not easy. Like, oh my gosh, my whole tagline is the struggle is real but so is success. And I mean, we have struggles every day. It's not going to change. If you have a brain injury, there's going to be struggles, but then we adjust what our expectations are and we, and we accommodate, accommodate, accommodate and supervise. 
and we have more successes than hopefully we have struggles. But I started that way by just like, that's way of advocating is just like push yourself in. And so I started speaking, a friend of mine was running the children's ministries and she's like, Robbie, would you teach the teachers some coping or or some classroom management strategies uh, for their Sunday school classes? Um, I'm like, hi, Stephanie, I'm not a teacher. She goes, no, but you got five kids, Robbie. You You probably know some stuff. So I did and used, but it was using that FASD lens and that neurobehavioral lens. And I started doing some teaching there and it, and it, it was game changing, you know, and I, I was really funny. I had this one teacher who's like, I don't believe it. I don't, I don't believe what you're saying is going to work. And I'm like, okay, you know, here's a, here's a loony bet in Canada. We have loonies and toonies for our dollar and $2. So a loony oh bet. Let's, let's do a loony bet. It's a dollar. He's like, okay. And so, but the next day in church or next day after church, he comes and tells me, he's like, I did what you said. And it was amazing. It totally turned things around. So I'm like, yeah, <laughs> yes, yeah, I'm like, I told you, buddy, you know, but you know, I've got five kids and, you know, and I don't take credit for all that, but I, I learn everywhere I go. I observe, I ask questions. I'm always seeking information. And so I've seen things that superstar teachers do, and I've implemented them. I've seen things that those superstar uh, children's programming does like at the park or something. I've seen, I've seen the magic and I'm like, that's awesome. So I learn everywhere I go and then I implement as I can, you know, and that's what I did there. It wasn't my own expertise, but it was what I've learned. I cherry picked and I shared, and that's what I do with FASD too. I think I've learned a lot and there's some fantastic trainers I've learned from. And then I, you know, flavor that with all my colorful stories, which is the secret sauce. And, and it works really well. I love that secret sauce. That's the secret sauce. (laughs) That's awesome. Oh my goodness. Now we come to, you know, obviously what you've done for the community and, and what you've done and accomplished. And now you were at this crossroads. What inspired you to say, Hey, I'm going to take my advocacy and, you know, make it more actually accessible by podcasting and on, you know, online and everything like that. Tell me about that shift from in-person to online and podcast. Sure. I still do in-person training, um, which I love to do. Um, but that's just not as accessible for people. And for me, I'm like, the word has to get out there. We have to break down the stigma. We have to throw that away. We have to raise awareness of FASD. Um, we just have to elevate that awareness of FASD so that we can just change people's minds it's about what they think about alcohol, how they use alcohol, and then also how they see people who are having challenges, how they see people who are having behaviors that we don't understand. And, and also to, to be more compassionate about these people, children, youth, adults with an FASD that look completely typical, completely normal, if you like that word. There's no visible sign of a disability, and yet they are profoundly impacted. And we need to raise that awareness. And so I was feeling like, gosh, I got to do something. And many people have said, Robbie, you got to write a book. You got to write a, a blog. Who's got time for that? Did I say I have five kids? Like, are you kidding me? When am I supposed to do that? But, you know, I love to talk. Can you tell? Like, it's kind of my jam. So I just like, like, let's just do this. And I was listening to podcasts. So I'm like, let's just do this. And then, you know, Natalie, you, you met up with me on LinkedIn before yeah, I started yeah, podcasting. Yeah, yeah. And then I saw your podcast and I started listening to your podcast. And Natalie, I think you inspired me to take <gasps> it over the top. You, oh you inspired me. I love your podcast. It was oh, like, thank you, Lord. I oh love your podcast. Goodness. And it inspired me to just do it. And, you know, and I look for like, I'm the mom 
And I'm the mom who just seeks information. If I've got a problem, I'm looking and I'm reading. So I'm reading Dr. Ross Green's books. I'm reading Dr. Dave uh, Bruce Perry's books. I'm reading Diane Melvin. Like I'm Jody Coop. I mean, I am everywhere. I'm reading everything. Um, And I'm looking on I was looking on podcasts for FASD, FASD. There was one, but it only had one episode ever recorded, I think. And I'm like, but I need more. I need more. And it wasn't there. And then when you reach out to me, I started listening to you and I'm like, my gosh, you are so good. You're amazing. <laughs> oh, I love it. And the interviews and all these connections. And I'm like, yes, yes, yes. But in my head, it's like, Robbie, you can do this too. Robbie, you can do this too. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, my husband was out going to go do errands one day. I'm like, babe, can you pick me up a mic? I'm going to start podcasting. He's I like, love yep. it. and off we went. I love it. And I love your podcast because they're, they're actually just, they're almost like listening in an audio class, you know, and it's perfect because you have that wonderful combination of your lived experience, but then you talk about real life issues that happen in FASD and that families encounter. And I love how you start out, you know, with questions from your listeners and, and from people, you know, that, that know you and, and have questions for you. Like I, I was listening today, like, why does my son pour all the shampoo out of this, sh- you know, in the, in the yeah. shower? And I'm like, Yep. 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 Been there. Know that, you know, and it's true. You take real life situations and then you take, so, you know, the topic of, of episode number two, spoil alert, you know, if you haven't listened to it already is developmental stage and chronological age. And you take that and it's, it's such a wonderful blend of real experience. And it's just like these wonderful life lessons about FASD. I love it. Oh my goodness. And you're a natural at it too. You are this podcasting thing. You either love it or you, you know, or you're like, eh, you know, and, and I you, love it. It's, oh, you know, it's my jam too. Yep. My kids can't, find, well, my kids can find me. I'm in the basement podcasting. Yes. Like I'm like, my, it's, it's almost springtime here, Natalie. I know it's nice yep. and warm where you are today. We were excited because we had 12 degrees Celsius. Oh like, my goodness. That's still, but we're like up in Northern Canada, that's short weather, yes. you know? So like, yes. we're ready. Can I go in the garden? Our ground <laughs> is still frozen, but I'm like, I won't have time to garden. I'll be podcasting. But, I know. You know what? And okay. Again, confession alert. I've been podcasting for a year and we've been today, this, this very day, FAST hope is six months old and thank you. Thank you. Confession alert. I say this all the time and I'm going to share this with you. Podcasting is self-care for me. It is self-care. hundred percent. Isn't it? Isn't 100%. it? Oh my goodness. It 100%. is. And it improves my parenting it, yes. because it keeps those, those those fundamental realities at the forefront of my brain. So yes. it improves. So when my son the other day, he's 13. So anybody who has a 13 year old needs to be on everybody's prayer list. I'm just saying that yes. right now, yes. like whether they have FASD, you need to be on yeah. everybody's prayer list. And then yeah. if you have a kid with FASD and 13, God help you exponentially on Ex- your knees. On your on knees. Your, I, I don't have time. Everybody has to be praying for me. Like, I'm just saying, Oh my goodness. You know, my prayer is like help that that's as much yeah. as I get, but mm-hmm. God's good. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we were trying, like, everything's falling apart. Uh, he's not into drugs, alcohol. So let me, let me back that up. But it's just really hard. We're in a yeah. really hard season right now. Yeah. And we're like, you know, we're falling down into the same trap that, you know, like, okay, well, then you're grounded, you know? And I'm like, that I won't. just caught, yeah. you know, and you're shaking your head at me. I know yep. exactly, yep. but you, you fall into those traps. And I said to you my do. husband, you know, and thank God we're on the same page. So many times parents aren't. Yeah. But I said, just, let's just pause right now. I said, he's three. 
-hmm. He's three. My Mm -hmm. son is three developmentally. So that's not going to work. So let's just take a different approach. And so midstream, we just adjusted. But you know, it's because I'm working on this stuff all the time and I'm reading it and I was able to like, okay, hold it. He's yeah, he's 13. And I mean, 13, mouthy, smelly, loud, hairy, hormonal, um, eating all the time, but Mm -hmm. developmentally he's three. So what does that mean? They still want autonomy. They still want to make their own decisions. That's really the same darn thing. Um, And they have these big emotions, these huge emotions that they have to communicate, but yet. And they have four letter words now. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And so it is mom. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't go well. Um, But when we were able to switch it back and go, wait a minute, he's three. And so what that meant was instead of grounding, we re revamped his room. So there was less places to hide things, contraband mm-hmm. in there, mm-hmm. no, upped the supervision, reduced the hiding places, mm-hmm. did not shame or blame, just took things away. And he's like, Hey, it's so clean in here now. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I'm getting an amen from the choir. And, um, but you know what? He settled down too. My son settled down. And, and it yeah. wasn't like vindictive. We're so angry at you. We're stripping your room. It was, we Let's are take going back to make some of the stimulation. Yep. Let's, let's, and the hiding places. Let's, and the hiding take, places. let's t- turn the thermostat down a little cooler. Yeah. So it's not so like, you know, so boom. darn hot. In here. Exactly. So, yeah. So, you know, I love it. I love that I can help other people along yes. and, um, and it's self-care totally. It yeah. is. I feel like I've learned so much more and I still, I'm again, I am not perfect. I am. I'm not, I do not claim to be an expert. I am not an expert. I'm just a mom that has almost 19 years of lived experience. But what I can say is every time I talk to somebody, you know, whether it be my husband, you know, cause our podcast is, I, you know, we interview, you know, every week. So I, anytime I talk to somebody, whether they're in FASD or wanting to learn about FASD or anything, I learn something new. And that exactly. to me is what you need when you're in those trenches, when you're yeah. in those trenches, that's what you need is digestible. Hey, don't forget about this. Hey, yeah. remember this. And that's yeah. what you're providing, which yeah. I love. That is so awesome. <laughs> Oh my goodness. One of my older kids said to me, Hey mom, are you going to tell that story on your podcast? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I don't know. I mean, I got stories for days, but yes. you know, I got to yes. respect my kids privacy yes. too. But. Yes. Yes. Any story that I tell, I make sure I get my son's approval. Yeah. It's okay, mom. No, no, yeah. no problem. But <laughs> Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. I have a really exciting episode coming up, Natalie, that you're going to really love. Tell me. It's my episode number four. So it's a little bit down the pike, but it's talk to the experts. And that's when I get to interview my teenagers (gasps) with FASD and they steal the show. So it's really, I learned a lot as I'm listening. I'm like, oh really? Oh really? So it was fantastic. I did that last year when we first started podcasting and, and I, I know I'm due to do that again and our son's going to be 19, but yes. I have to tell you that people like to hear from those who live with FASD, especially teens, young adults, because, oh my goodness, you know, again, that whole, we were talking about, you have, you know, first of all, you have just, even without an FASD, you have a child, you know, adolescent hormones, you know, all these things going on in their body. Then we know that when you have a child who is born exposed to alcohol, 
a lot of those cells were not pruned. A lot of those things were not triggered that were supposed to be pruned, you know? So you just have like, you know, just neurons just shooting everywhere. And you just, you know, I, I I wish today was a visual uh, podcast (laughs) because I'm like literally like pointing all around the room, but you, you have all these things happening, misfires and misfires. Yeah. Their brains are unreliable to them. Yes, exactly. So you throw that into puberty and oh my goodness. So hearing a teenager talk about that, that is such an important perspective. And her, her insights were incredible, like so valuable to me as her mom listening, going, oh, really? I cannot (laughs) wait to hear that. It was was really a gem. I've already subscribed and down and downloaded your first two and, and, and I'm going to get you out there. Like I said, this, this is so important. So let's talk about obviously this wonderful podcast, FASD family life, which in our program notes, all of Robbie's information is going to be connected so that you can go right to it. Um, So let's talk about what's happening for the rest of 2021. Besides this awesome podcast, what else do you have going on? Well, goodness, it's, you know, I think raising children with FASD and COVID-19 have taught us all not to plan very far in advance. I used to have my life planned out for five solid years, you know, and then uh, one lady told me one time, man proposes and God disposes. And so, you know, we'll just see, Natalie, certainly the podcasting is going to continue and I'm dropping new episodes weekly and I love it. Um, I'll be presenting at a virtual conference in uh, Northern Alberta. So Alberta is already Northern, like Northern Canada. And then I'll be participating, I hope, in a virtual conference up in the Lakeland FASD uh, region. And I'm open to whatever opportunities come my way. But job number one is I've got five children to love and to hold and to launch and um, they're all at various stages, you know, one's in university considering grad school, another is single, pregnant, and expecting a baby in August, so I'll be a grandma in August, and then I've got two teens who are in grade 10 uh, in a special uh, special ed school, and they're rocking it, but, you know, hands-on, you got to keep your hands on the wheel with your teenagers, and so far, so good, they're doing great, and then I got a 13-year-old who's, you know, challenging us, moment by moment. So it'll be hands on the wheel. That's the primary thing is just taking my kids and guiding them and really um, limiting their access to potentially harmful things and also connecting them in helpful ways where I'm trying to advocate that my girls get their first summer job. That could be tricky with COVID-19 and then having a developmental disability, but I'm already starting the good fight to see if I can't find them some kind of a summer job this year and my son advocating for him to be involved in sports in a way that suits not only his tremendous athletic ability, but then some of the other impulse control challenges. So it's how to find that right spot. So yeah, you know, there's a lot going on this year. Definitely a life work balance. And I'm putting life first (laughs) because, you know, it's life work balance. And you bring up a wonderful point that 2021, you know, we we're not planning like we used to back, you know, we're not, we don't have those planners out like 2019, 2018. It's no, I, I agree a hundred percent. It's really like, if I plan a month ahead to me, that's like, wow, you know, and I can say too, that I think another silver, silver lining of COVID is that 
the things we used to do in person, we're doing online now, which means more people can join us, you know? So, so people yeah. are going to listen to your voice, you know, from all over the world, same thing with us, you know? Yeah. And it's amazing because not only when you know that there's somebody else out there going through what you're going through, but you can be there for each other, you know? Yeah. And, and I think that if you are listening to Robbie and I, and if you want to be in either an online support group or just find out if there's a group in your area, you, you can, you know, look on FASDHope.com. You can, you know, visit Robbie at, you know, FASD Family Life. You can look and see. And just like us, if there's nothing out there, then, then make it make it happen. You yeah, know, push yourself that, in. Yeah. That's, that's how we felt like, you know, with our son's homeschooling journey and, and, you know, him becoming a carpentry apprentice, it wasn't going to happen. We had to make it happen ourselves. Yeah. And, and you'll find yourself doing that as a parent of a child with either an FASD or neurodiversity. There are many times that you have to create these new opportunities for your kids. Yeah. So we know, you know, when you tell me family first, I know that because, you know, I, I love this podcast, but my family is first. And we understand that about each other in the FASD community because we know success happens. It does happen. However, because you're talking about a brain-based disability that happened before birth, nothing you know, lasts forever. And as much as we love success, my husband taught me this, this phrase, savor the moment. You know, yes, and I do that because I know that some moments can last longer and you can save them a lot longer, but then some moments it's like, oh, okay. You know? <laughs> so I like to say like success is for us and for our family, success is a spectrum. You know, it's not a destination. It's just nope. part of the journey. It's not an endpoint. It's part of the journey because FASD is lifelong. So you know that there's always that possibility that a slip is going to happen, something, a missed accommodation, something like that. You and I, I love this because you and I are both realistic about this journey. The struggle is real. I love the that. struggle is real, but you can get success in it and you can get that success through support, through hope, yeah. through victories, through small victories, big victories. It's there. And I, I love that and you're sharing about, you know, when you know better, you can do better. Yes. Right. And so, you know, I was a good, I was a good parent before I'm a very different parent. Now there's a brain injury going on here. So I'm always considering what was the goal? Yes. Yes. What was the goal and was yeah. the goal met? Brain injury, brain injury, brain injury. And what's the goal? Yeah. And no. what's the goal? What's yep. the goal? Are you asking too much? All right. So I'm giving you a platform. How can the world get in touch with you? How can the world listen to your wonderful new podcast? How can we connect you so that more people can hear the awesome information, the awesome stories, and how you take your learned experience and your educational experience and you tied it together? Please well, share I'm away. so happy to say that FASD Family Life, the podcast for families, by families, raising children and youth with fetal alcohol spectrum disorder is now available on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher and a podcast addict. I couldn't resist that one. And so I'm out there. Please come find me. If you want to email me, it's at fasdfamilylife at gmail.com. And Facebook, I wasn't so savvy on doing that one. So I just put my name out there. So it's Robbie Seal at Facebook and come find me. 
again, I am thrilled we have another FASD podcast. This is just, it's just a great day for me because I think we need to get, this conversation needs to be had so much more, so many more places, so many more individuals. And I just am thankful that you're doing this, Robbie. So you know that you listen to our podcast I'm all about the hope. We have our hope takeaways so that parents who are listening, caregivers, educators, professionals, anyone who's listening who has involvement in the FASD community, what words of hope can you give to them so that they can take with them so that they can change that trajectory from, okay, I can't do this to, okay, let me take a pause. I can do this. I think the biggest one is when you know better, you can do better. So get educated about FASD. And it's a lot easier now than it used to be. You can go on the internet and you can research FASD and you can check out Natalie's podcast. Um, FASD Hope has got so many great resources and so many great experts. You'll learn so much. And you can check out uh, Diane Malbin's book is trying differently rather than harder. Um, there's so many great websites, NoFaz, or now it's called Proof Alliance is amazing. They've got great resources. If you're in Canada, though, those are all available to all of us. In Canada, we have the Canadian FASD Research Network. Um, also in Saskatchewan, there's Saskatchewan FASD Network, I think it's called. They have a fantastic website. Manitoba is doing some great things. Calgary FASD Network. I mean, it's out there. Uh, Scotland has great stuff coming out and Australia has great stuff coming out. You can learn from all over the world. And, you know, when I started down this journey, Scotland didn't know they had FASD yet. Australia didn't know they had FASD yet. I was at the first international FASD conference and it was in 2013. Wow. The, so the message is, I guess, uh, FASD is a brain injury. And as a parent, when you know better, you can do better. And success is there. The struggle is real, but so is success. I keep saying this, but I love it. And I am just so thankful for you, Robbie Seal. I'm so thankful that we connected on LinkedIn. And now all of you listening out there, this is just yeah, the beginning. This is I'm just listening. the beginning of our of, of collaboration because now I have a fellow podcasting friend in FASD who is a mama warrior and she knows my struggle. I know hers, although, albeit, I, you know, I'm parenting one with an FASD. She's parenting four. She's like this, whoa, she, I, I, she's like this Navy SEAL. Uh, and I'm just like, you know, <laughs> Army graduate, a new recent graduate, you know, private first class. She's like Navy SEAL. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, it's just when you, you make that connection, it's just so valuable. So Robbie SEAL, this will not be the last time you're on FASD. Hope. Yay! Thank you for coming on today. Thank you for having me. So much love. I appreciate it so much. Oh. And today, all of FASD Family Life's information with Robbie Seal will be on our program note. So you can find her and you can listen and you can learn just like I am. Everyone, thank you so much for listening. Take care and we'll catch you next time. Thanks again for listening to FASD Hope with Natalie Vecchione. If you like our show and want more information, check out FASDHope.com or please leave us a five-star rating and follow us on Podbean, iTunes, or anywhere you get your podcasts. Make sure you join us next week. And remember to be informed, take care, and always have hope.